following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. Happy Friday. It is May 19th. I have Anshu Khanna with me today. I am Dan Bauer. Josh Dunn, we will be missing. Hopefully you are doing well, my friend. Anshu, thanks for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Uh, yeah, I think Josh is out in wine country, not W-H-I-N-E. There's a little play on words for you. But, yeah, he needs, a, he needs a getaway from this Cavs thing. So hopefully he's enjoying himself out there. Well, normally I think we leave the puns to me. Uh, but, uh, if you wanna... <laughs> and the transitions. That for sure will happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, hey, you know, I appreciate the effort. Good hustle. Uh, some some real good effort out of the Houston Rockets there it is. last night. Right off the bat, guys. 127-105 over the Golden State Warriors uh, in a game that, you know, again, another one that wasn't really even close, kind of the theme of this playoff. So uh, the guys that you had mentioned specifically on our last show, who needed to step up, Ariza and Tucker, go for 41 combined. Uh, Capella's still pulling up the rear with only five points. Chris Paul with a slightly off game, 16. James Harden goes for 27 and 10. Another great game for him. So Houston right back in this. So I want you my question for you. Is this a flash in the pan? Is this one game out of a gentleman's sweep? Or does Houston actually have a chance to get back into this thing? Um, I mean, they're in it. But, uh, you know, I you didn't even mention Eric Gordon, who is the guy that I think changes the dynamic of this series. If he is anywhere near to what he was like last year when he won sixth man or, or, you know, during this season when he shoots well, it, it opens things up for them. But to answer your question, I mean, I, tr- I mean, maybe it's not a gentleman's sweep, maybe it goes six, but I don't think anyone in golden state is worried. Like, I don't think anybody on that team is, is nervous at all. It felt like they were just sort of not into it. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't not to say they're not into it, but like Kevin Durant was playing really, really, really well. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I think Steph is going to get it going when they're at home. Their role players will get it going. I don't think this is this game is going to carry for the Rockets. Yeah, you mentioned Gordon goes for 27 points, six of nine from three. Nice. Uh, Very nice. A great game for him. So, you know, kind of looking forward to the next couple of games in the series. I know you don't have any faith in Houston, but if Houston, <laughs> if Houston were to be able to pull it off, do you think there is a magic formula that if somehow everything falls right, they actually can pull off a series win? Well, the formula is going to be to take the air out of the ball, um, steal one in goal at you know in Oakland. If they can do that, then they need to ride out their role players or shooters at home in Houston for the other th- two games left, and that's the formula. I mean, they basically. They got to steal one and they got to sweep at home because at home they're a different team. I mean, we didn't see it in game one, but you definitely saw it in game two. I can guarantee you there won't be a 20 point win on the road against Golden State for Houston. But I think the problem with saying all that is like at the end of the day, they're just going to have to play 
their A-plus game, and they're going to need Golden State to play, like, a C-minus game. I mean, how often is Golden State going to score, like, right around 100 points? It's just not going to happen with all these guys healthy. The one thing, I think, and, and you sort of brushed, talked about this the last few shows, but if Steph Curry is not healthy, if he's, like, at all not 100%, you know, that's that opens the door slightly. But I've, I've always said the difference between these two teams is, the Rockets' third option would be equivalent to the Warriors' like eighth option. You know, like they're just so good and so deep with blue chip players that it's just tough to picture Houston ha- even hanging with them, even keeping games close. Like every shot is it takes so much effort for Houston. I feel like I know not last game notwithstanding, but you know I just think it's so much easier for Golden State to manufacture points. Well. With what you can picture coming into this weekend, so Cavs Celtics play Saturday. Uh, six that was and a half stretch. Point. Yeah, it was. It's late. <laughs> six and a six and a half point favorites over the Celtics uh, on Saturday. Obviously, Rockets Warriors play on Sunday. So, give me your quick predictions for who comes out on top in each of these games over the weekend. Oh man, I I was very confident in the Warriors Cavs final. I. I think that six and a half is a stretch right now, the way that the Celtics are playing. Um, I still think the Cavs are going to pull this whole thing out, but I mean, they need to cover that spread really if they want to, you know, if they really want to inflict their own impact into this series and, and regain kind of, well, they can't get home court advantage anytime soon. They need to get themselves back in this because they go down 3 0, it's all over, obviously. So, you know, they, this is obviously super important, but it's also just like we need to show them we can hang. And, I think this is something the PMT guys said, but, you know, like the role players played much better at home. So I expect a much better game out of J.R. Smith. Can't get much worse than 0 of 7 from the three, obviously. But, you know, those guys, George Hill, Kevin Love, those guys all need to thrive off that crowd. They need to cover this um, and and really get back in the series. And as for the other one, um, you know, I, I mean, I just I expect Golden State to go home and blow the doors off of Houston. I think Houston will try to come out and slow it down. And I just expect one of those explode, explosive Golden State third quarters, a patented Hampton Five third quarter, and just you know, and just really run away with this in Game Three. From the worst nickname in sports to maybe the worst <laughs> team in sports, officially <laughs> officially announced, the Cleveland Browns will be on hard knocks. <laughs> one of those things. Nice, that was long, good. Long, thank you. Been Credit long you. rumored, uh, but it's now official. As of today, HBO announced it. The Browns announced it. Schefter broke it on uh, Thursday morning. But Browns appear on Hard Knocks. I personally cannot be more excited. I know you're a big Hard Knocks guy. I am so stoked for the inside look at the Cleveland Browns, for the attention it brings. I think hopefully it it spins a little bit more positive light for the franchise. Uh, And if nothing else, we get an inside look at Hugh Jackson's final couple of months in Cleveland. (laughs) So um, I am personally excited about it. I love it. I I don't get the the hate of the you know the kind of quote unquote distraction of it. Uh, you know these are professional athletes that are used to cameras being around all day. I really don't think the hard docs guys being in there and one additional camera is really going to change that much. Obviously, you know you may get a little bit of extra showmanship, but uh, with all the other pro- problems this team has, I think a little showmanship is the least of what we can be concerned about going into the 2018 season. So uh, I'm excited. I love it. I can't wait. What's your take? Are you excited as a kind of you know as neutral as you can be with having some you know very good Browns fan buddies? Are you excited to see the Browns on Hard Knocks? Do you think the average NFL fan is going to be more likely to turn in tune into this than your average Hard Knocks? And uh, you know what's your take on the good versus bad of 
you know, just being on Hard Knocks in general? Um, I think, I mean, I think it's a great question. First of all, I love it. Like, A, because you guys are fans, it's awesome. But B, because, like, we've had so many boring teams. Like, we've had the, oh, the Falcons, God, just kill me. That was the worst season ever. And, like, the Rams when they were boring. And just, you know, they've had, they've done a poor job of picking teams. I know they have, so they have the rules in place, right, to avoid mm -hmm. it being a negative. So they have the, you know, the first-year coach can't be on there and, you know, if you made the playoffs the year before, you can't be on there. And if you've been on it in the last few years, you can't be on there. So, you know, the, the Browns finally checked all the boxes. I think they wanted them to be at last year, but they get it this year. And I think, you know, I think, honestly, a, I'd much rather have, no offense, like a terrible team on there than like some boring, you know, team with no personalities. This Browns team might not be great next year, but they're going to be really interesting and compelling. And they have so many interesting personalities. And they have a bunch of new blood there between the front office and Todd Haley and, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield and all these picks. I mean, I, I just, I don't think they could have, I don't want to sound super biased here, but I don't think they could have picked a better team. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, the Browns fell into their laps and I'm sure Dor John Dorsey isn't super hyped about it, but I think it's good. I think it'll be good for Hugh Jackson to try to paint his own, you know, public picture. Although I think that it could go awry for him too. But, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I love it. Uh, I just, if I was on the team, though, if I had a veteran quarterback, then yes, this is great. If I didn't, if I have a rookie, like, to me, this is the time to install and, you know, remove distractions and all that. So as a, I totally understand if Dorsey doesn't want it, but I, as a fan, you know, I love it. Do you have a prediction on who is going to be the most likable character? I mean, we always have. Every year of Hard Knocks, it feels like it seems like there's somebody, you know, last year, Gerald McCoy, you know, uh, mm. I think was kind of the standout, right? There's always that somebody that really jumps off the screen. Any quick predictions on who that person Ooh. may be in Cleveland? That's a real, I mean, I should defer to you on that. I would say Joe Thomas, I'm sure Joe Thomas will have a role in it at mm -hmm. some point, but I love, I think Joe Thomas is incredibly likable, obviously slightly biased, go Badgers, but I, uh, you know, when you think about it i i i'm just gonna throw this out there i think josh gordon is like a really interesting guy that we haven't gotten a chance to know and i'm not saying that he's gonna be like a really great guy on there but i'm really looking forward to seeing him um and, and being like getting his personality out there more so i think he's good uh, jabril peppers is is crazy so i think that's gonna be a fun thing Tamaris randall obviously like ruined the Packers locker room kind of for a while and they traded him because of it. So I think that that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Not ruined it, but you know, he was, he was a negative. I, I just think that there's, there's a lot, there's so many interesting pieces. And then obviously you get the Baker Mayfield factor. I think Mayfield will go out of his way not to be that dude, by the way. Oh, I think yeah. he's going to try very hard not to be like the Manzellian type. Right. I think he's going to be as much of a hermit as he can. Absolutely. Yes. The Josh Gordon, Angle is very interesting, and also I think it'll give people a really a much greater insight into kind of I think who he's become in the past year or so. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. As a Browns fan, I follow him on all kinds of social media. He, he is at the Browns facility. It seems like every day, first thing in the morning, working out all day. I mean, it's it's fun. It's really exciting to see that as as a fan of your team and as a guy that you're really rooting for. 
uh, and hopefully a, a wasted autograph, not a wasted autograph on a, on a Browns hat I got, <laughs> that I got. Uh, I really, him. I think that he's a really interesting and good person, and I think that the stuff that's happened to him, like, I think people automatically assume he's a bad dude for various stereotypical reasons, but I just, I don't see that, and I agree. I follow him on social media, too. I've I've enjoyed him. I'm, I'm, I think this is a great opportunity for his personality to shine in a positive light. I agree. And I'm very excited. Um, it should be interesting. You should though. be. That's awesome yeah, for a fan. It, it's great. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll, uh, maybe Baker will be a little bit more of a superstar than we are expecting. But, you know, I think you're right on that. I think he's going to kind of hold himself up. But They have done traditionally in hard knocks. I know we're spending a lot of time on it, but I just think it's a really interesting case study. So they've generally, you know, you'd think that the quarterbacks get a lot of attention until Jameis Winston last year. I didn't feel like any of the quarterbacks got any attention. Like you think back to all the different guys we've had quarterback competitions, but they generally don't get too much. Like even Matt Ryan didn't get much. Like you probably, I think they're going to try to focus in, but like, like we said, like I I think Baker is going to be on his absolute best behavior in front of the cameras. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be fun. Uh, I personally can't wait for the you know when we start normally middle of august we get the first episode of hard knocks so mm-hmm. cannot wait oh and, man so cool yeah and uh, another team that maybe surprisingly is going to get some august airtime the pittsburgh pirates uh still wow. at the top of the division uh in a big move today they promote their number two prospect austin meadows since sterling Marte to the dl austin meadows a guy who has, has long been a, a very top prospect in baseball, uh, but is one of those guys that's consistently been you know, more hype than actual production uh, mm-hmm. on some level. So uh, Absolutely. You know, first year in 2013 to now, uh, this will be his first crack at a, at a big league roster. But uh, really turned around this year. I mean, he's hitting 281 in AAA Indy. For Pittsburgh, uh, now gets the call up. Uh, should be interesting. You know, it sounds like it's a short-term assignment, but as we were talking about before the show, you never know what some kid can can do with an opportunity. So it may be a plan for a short term, and maybe he never looks back. But it'd be real interesting to see the struggle. I mean, his his batting averages over the course of uh, his time in the minors are, are kind of all over the place. I mean, even you know as low as as 194. Uh, as high as 571. Um, it, it's just all over the place of uh, of where he's at. Um, and, uh, you know, ooh, apologies, that was on base percentage. So 169, nice. Low Very nice. He's got. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, highest at, at 360, uh, or 529, actually. Uh, take that back. We're all over the place with numbers. So let's give it over that um, up and down guy. But any quick takes uh, on Austin Meadows or as big baseball guys, I know we're, we always get excited about top prospects more than the average person, but um, anything you want to toss in there about Austin Meadows? Yeah, I mean, I had a keen eye towards Austin Meadows because when the White Sox were dangling Jose Quintana, the Pirates were kind of very much involved, and Austin Meadows' name was one that got bandied about quite a bit. Um, you know, I've always felt I, I was anti Austin Meadows in the trade, and apparently he's always been untouchable. So the Pirates are obsessed with him. He's 23. Just turned 23. Um, like you said, just like very, very inconsistent. And when you look at his, you know, his like numbers in terms of his like scouting values, the, the scale, I mean, he's supposedly a 60 hit tool. He's only gotten to 
you know, like his performance is only merited like a 45, basically. And, you know, his raw power is a 55, but he's never really tapped into that with home runs. I mean, his max in a year was six, I think, in the mind, maybe seven. So, you know, like this guy and, and, you know, fast, like he's one of those guys who looks the part but hasn't really produced. And I'm very leery of players like this. Um, so this is a guy that's like kind of looks like Ben and Tendy when you see him. But then, you know, when he gets out there, it's generally a different story. But like you said, you know, this, you know, you can play your way into a roster. I just Starling Marte is a big loss for, for the Pirates for a team that's like you said, could be playing themselves into contention in August and September. And and I, I don't see this being more than uh, like a quick call up. So what do you think, you know, realistically numbers wise he has to put up to to stick around for, like we said, what could be at least some moderate playoff push? I mean, he basically has to outproduce Gregory Polanco, I would think, because Corey Dickerson's been awesome so far. I, I mean, he's got a slash, you know, probably, I mean, his batting average has to be above 300, I would say. He's got to be, his OPS has probably got to be around, I don't know, 800. I mean, look, Starling Marte's guaranteed a spot. He's been awesome. Corey Dickerson has been really good. He's, he's OPSing like 860, 870. Um, and then Polanco's been, you know, right around 800. So, I mean, you've got to basically unseat Polanco and right. And I'm just not sure. I mean, I, but that being said, you know, Corey Dickerson's kind of like a lefty specialist. So you might get a platoon situation if he shows he can, he can hit left handers. I, I don't know. I mean, he's a lefty too. So Meadows is. So it's, it's a really tough, I don't know, man. He's, it's a great look for him. And then there's a chance, you know, if the Pirates are hanging around, there might not be room for Meadows. Maybe he becomes the piece to a big trade for Archer or something like that if they find that they can't last, although their pitching rotation is pretty deep. I don't know. I mean, I just don't see there being a lot of space for him right now at the big league roster. But injuries happen. You never know. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see it. You know, my brother, who you guys heard on this show last week, lives in Pittsburgh. So yes. he keeps an eye on the Pirates as well. And um, So I'm excited to, to watch a little bit of Austin Meadows. Maybe we'll go Same. Catch, a game, catch a game. See what uh, see what he can do. But from one team who wears a lot of gold on their jerseys to another, the Vegas Golden Knights four uh, two victory on Wednesday night, take a two one series lead over the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, question for you, Anshu. I know you're not a big hockey guy, but if Vegas somehow pulls it off and they make the Stanley Cup final, is this the the most improbable run of any team in the history of sports to a championship final? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the one team I would say would come close. I'm just trying like, all right, so NBA, you almost never get that. And I, I mean, I think that one of the most improbable things I've ever seen is the Pistons being beating the Lakers when they had all those Hall of Famers. That just blew my mind. But that was the beginning of what we found out was kind of a dynasty for the Pistons. Not a dynasty, but, you know, pretty good team. And, you know, I, I mean, to me, I I would have to say Butler. Butler going in the NCAA final against uh, Duke, I guess that first year when they had, uh, is it Gordon Hayward? I think it was Gordon Hayward um, the first year. That was that was a really amazing team, um, and, and it's just mind-blowing that it, I think they were an eight or a nine seed. I know Steve is going to correct me when he listens to this, but it's either that or the next year when they lost him and they still made it again. I mean, the second time is always less surprising, but Butler is the one team I would say comes close 
Otherwise, it's just really tough to imagine. I mean, you don't see it in, in baseball. There's only so many teams. So, you, like that Rockies team when they ran it back, battled off all those wins and then lost in the championship. But you know, I would say Butler. I don't know. Do you have anything? I, there, it's tough to imagine. This is an expansion team in Vegas. No, I mean the only one I can think of is the Diamond. But even not even that one, right? The the year the Diamondbacks uh, get there, um, the they beat the Yankees, right? With they, Schilling and Randy yeah. Johnson. That was like, a pretty good team. Yeah, but it, it was such like, well, offensively, you know, you had uh, Gonzalez, and that was kind of it. I mean, it was, but, it, mm. you know, it's just tough to pick, um, you know, pick somebody. I mean, to go from an expansion team, I mean, they were the first expansion team to win a playoff series in the NHL. And then they're the first expansion team to win two series. Now they're... <laughs> about to be the first expansion team to make a Santa Cup final. I mean, maybe not about to. I mean, it's a, you know, it's only a 2-1 series. But if they pull this up, you know, they, they, they're breaking records every series they do. So, um, I mean, I can't think of anybody that's more probable. Maybe, they, maybe that first Brady can, team. That yeah. first Tom Brady team, that was pretty good. Yeah. The... the Playing the Rams and like ninety nine coming out as a team exactly individually like that That's probably where I go. That's probably the one I would choose. Actually, this year's Eagles team is pretty shocking to do it with your backup quarterback. I mean, granted they were the one seed, but right. yeah, I mean, look, I'm, we're scratching, like we're right. we're stretching here. Right. Um. So I yeah, I think it's amazing, but yeah, I agree with you, listeners. Throw some in the comments if you got any. Yeah, if you can, if you can think of some other ones for us, let us know. Uh, we were talking before the show, Mark and I were talking about it today, of just if anybody can come up with something that just truly was more surprising. So let us know if you got anything. Um, and uh, before we let you go, we'll get your our oh, by the ways. I'll do mine first just to stick on a theme here. But Hockey Tonight, Lightning beat the Capitals 4-2 in what was a really, really fun game. Uh, 2-2 going into the third period. i got to point this out. If, you, if we have any Washington Capitals fans on here, the fact that your stadium is just the the quietest barn I've ever watched is absurd. <laughs> like they they go, I don't know, I, I doubt you watch an anime, don't you? Because uh, I know you're not a big hockey guy, but it's it's three to two with two minutes to go. They the Capitals pull Holpe. Uh, they're they got a man advantage. They got four or five just great shots at the net, and it was still dead quiet. Like how you don't get behind your team, how it's not just. Uh, an absolutely raucous atmosphere. You know, we're both big Blackhawks fans. If that was happening in Chicago, the the United Center that. would be shaking. I mean, oh my god! Um, I'll use Mark's team as an example too. I mean, if it's if the Penguins are doing that, that place is, it, you know, the roof's going to come down. How you can be <laughs> doing that and not get your crowd into it is absolutely absurd. So Washington, be better. Or get eliminated. One of the two. <laughs> don't care. Uh, that's oh god. That's gonna happen too. Poor yeah. poor PFT. Uh, <laughs> not their year. Uh, but how about you, Anshu? What's your by the way? We'll let people get to their weekends. Uh, I'm gonna throw it out there, but we talk a lot about the NFL draft and the MLB draft is coming up in a month, which is exciting for the White Sox. They pick number four. Um, but I want to talk about the NBA draft and the lottery. They immediately following the NBA draft is the NBA draft combine. And Muhammad Bamba today from Texas, the center, measured in with a wingspan of 7 feet and 10 inches. That is the all-time record. That's the longest 
it has the, the widest wingspan ever noted in this combine in history, which isn't admittedly not that long, but that is wild to me. And, you know, I just like with the lottery fresh in our minds and, you know, thinking about kind of like the different traits that these guys have and the way that the games have, you know, the game has evolved. There's still a place for a huge, long seven footer um, in today's NBA. And I just, I thought that was really interesting. The longest wingspan recorded in NBA history belongs to a 19 year old that, you know, it's not out of the realm that he grows a little bit more. So pretty crazy. And uh, he could be on Chicago's radar amongst others. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, for now, I'm going to spread my wingspan across my bed <laughs> and pass out. Uh, but as soon as I get this thing edited and uploaded. But uh, for Anshu Kana, I am Dan Bauer. Thanks so much for listening to The Leftovers. Have a great weekend, and hopefully we'll have the whole crew back for you for Monday's show. Take it easy. 